one. And I think as a nurse, what I really value is that one-on-one time where I'm there for the patient and I'm just listening to my, my patient. And I think that that can transcend into so many different avenues, whether that is, uh, whether that's public service, whether that is CEO of a, of a healthcare organization where you're listening to the needs of the people. It's so important. And I, I think that that nursing philosophy, which is so important, we just need more nurses that, that are in those positions of power. So if you're out there and you're listening, you can do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa Donato, And I'm Marion Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. On this episode of Amplify Nursing, we talk with Tarek Khan, a nurse practitioner, doctoral student at Penn Nursing, and the president of the Pennsylvania State Nurses Association. Tarek's work focuses not just on making his patients' lives better, but on making the profession better. And he does this in a variety of ways, including volunteering on the ground during the pandemic and pushing bills through the state legislature in his role with the PSNA. We talk with him about his work with the Philadelphia Medical Reserve Corps, alongside his mom, a fellow nurse, his goals for the future, and the need to unleash the power of nurses. So hello, Tarek. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us today. Thanks, uh, Angela. It's uh, great being on. Congratulations on season three of uh, ANP. This is up, up there with my favorite podcasts. So Office Ladies and Fresh Air. Thank little- you. I really appreciate that. That's They're really... Um, they're really big shoes to fill. Thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if you guys talked more about the office uh, once in a while, that would be cool too. <laughs> <laughs> we can maybe we can work on it for season four. That would be great. That'd be great. Sounds great. So, Tarek, how are you? How are things going? I see that you're really, really busy these days. The next two weeks, I'm looking at my my calendar is have have been just absolutely insane. I have there's a, I had a vaccine clinic that me and my mom staffed on Saturday. Um, we have another another one that I'm doing through my health center uh, next Saturday. Staffing rollout uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, you know, th- two chapters due last week, one chapter due Thursday for my uh, Friday for my dissertation, two grants. It's and then after this, I'm going to um, TA class. So it has been nuts. It sounds it. So talk to me a little bit about the vaccination clinics with your mom. Oh, yeah. So my mom, she's been a nurse 53 years. So uh, I don't feel bad. Um, 53 years. Uh, she started out as an LPN, went to Einstein. You know, she actually she's she hasn't worked in a in a clinical setting i think since the 80s i remember when i was a kid um her coming home from einstein i remember one day she came home and she had her white nursing shoes and she's like don't touch my shoes uh because i i guess uh she had some uh uh, you know, patient with something in the ER. And I was just staring at the shoes and like, I accidentally touched it. And I was like, mom, I accidentally touched your shoes. What do I do? And she's like, just wash your hands. It's okay. But she's been out of the clinical setting since, uh, since then. And in fact, she was ready to not renew her license when it came up. 
And I said, mom, you never know, you know, you never know when you may need your license, um, just renew it. She said, I'd like, you know, I just turned 70. And I said, just renew it. So she renewed it. And lo and behold, pandemic. And so, so she's been like gangbusters volunteering. Uh, she started doing flu shots with the Medical Reserve Corps. I have been volunteering with the Medical Reserve Corps uh, since I think April doing the mass testing site at the Citizens Bank Park. And then I've been doing their testing clinics. And then, of course, when they rolled out the vaccines, you know, I was the first I was amongst the first healthcare providers to get it from them. And then I've been volunteering every week at their mass vaccination clinics. And that has just been like amazing um, that my mom and, and I are working together. We we worked a couple weeks ago, and then we worked last Saturday, you know, giving each other pointers about, you know, best technique. So we don't, we can squeeze out like that seventh dose. And, and, you know, my mom is like checking to see how many doses I got out, how many patients <laughs> I've done. So, you know, it's been, it's been really, really awesome. And, you know, I never thought I would be working like side by side with my mom. And it's just, it's just great because, you know, she, my mom is always, always caring person. I mean, that's why she became a nurse. She encouraged me to become a nurse, but that, that she's able to actually give back and, and helping to vaccinate. And she's so good at it. You know, it's like riding, riding a bike, those caring skills that we, we give so much as nurses, I don't think they ever go away. And I think my mom is, has just been able to kind of fall back into what um, she did as a, as an ER nurse and, and just provide that, that great care. So it's been really uh, phenomenal working with my mom. Yeah, that's great. It's so exciting for you to be able to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It's, it's great. And I, I, we, they actually NBC 10, they did a, they did a story on it and my mom was just so happy. I mean, I was, I was like, mom, I think I'm going to get you headshots. Um, so you can autograph <laughs> them because like, everyone's like she is so popular. Uh, and, and I think it's, I think it's great, but like all the health center staff are like, they're, they're all like, Oh, I love your mom. I love your mom. And I'm like, wait, who are you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm Tara. Nice to meet you. Because uh, like I like I don't, like they know my mom, and I, my mom is like showing them pictures. She's like, you know, I, she she told some people my my son is single. I'm like, mom, don't don't do that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But but she's great. I love uh, you know I love her. She's my mom. That's awesome. You know, we talked about how busy you are. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about what's going on with PSNA these days? Yeah. So, you know, I was honored uh, to be elected president of PSNA back in the, the fall. The organization is represents, I guess we have about a quarter million nurses in Pennsylvania, and we represent all nurses. And I think historically among, among all, all nursing organizations, you know, one thing that we don't often do well as nurses is realize how powerful we are. And, you know, it's, it's, it, there, there's, I don't, I don't think there's any, you know, blame, but it's sort of like, we've never really, really unleashed the full potential of nursing. And, you know, we've, we've been very lucky, uh, PSNA, we have a really dynamic, great person, amazing nurse, Betsy Snook, you know, her goal is to just get things done for nurses. And our last president, Mark Kreider, his, uh, one of his strong points was, was really making sure that nurses' voices were heard. And he, he, you know, PSNA had, had been a union at one point, and then there was a split, an amicable, amicable split uh, around 2000, somewhere around there. And I don't think that that sort of that split was ever actually, there was never like a rapprochement and say, okay, we're different organizations, but how do we work together? I don't think that ever really happened. You know, in 2009, I actually, 
you know, the, the big issue I should say is, has been staffing. You know, when you talk to nurses and you say, you know, what is your main issue? What is what is the thing that would affect you on a daily basis that could change? Um, they would tell you it's their staffing. Unfortunately, you know, nurses are overworked. They're working many times in unsafe um, situations. Uh, there's a lot of nursing burnout. And you know, the through the through the incredible research actually done at Penn at Chopper, you know, we see what happens when you have safe staffing standards that fewer patients die. Hospital stays are shorter, there's less readmissions, less falls, healthcare infections, patients are more satisfied, nurses are more satisfied, burnout of nurses is decreased. And so, you know, back in 2009, I actually met with, uh, there were two bills, there was a bill by, by the nursing unions, and then there was a bill by the Nurses Association, and they were different bills, they were different tracks, and they were really far apart. Over the years, um, the bills have kind of gotten a little closer to each other. And, you know, my goal, as I said, you know, when I ran for president was just to really unleash the power of nurses. You know, I, I was uh, working with the different organizations, um, the different unions, because, you know, another thing I found out is that, when you work with some of these people from other organizations, you realize like how great, like how amazing some, some of these, some of these people are. Usually when you're in the nonprofit sector, when you're in the healthcare sector, you can meet some really amazing people. And these, these uh, individuals, SEIU Healthcare, PASNAP, Nurses of PA, amazing, amazing people, fun, and, and working together, the professionalism is, it was just, it was just outstanding. And I think it really showed when we had our press conference actually yesterday. So today's the February 24th and the 23rd, um, we had this joint press conference it's historic because having a professional nursing organization and unions on the same staffing bill, again, staffing is like the age old problem uh, of nurses, nurses feeling like, you need two of two of you to get your job done. I know that's how I felt mm -hmm. when I worked in the floors and I worked at Magnet Hospitals. And so, um, you know, we've unveiled this bill. It's called the Patient Safety Act. It's House Bill 106, Senate Bill 240. And basically it's, it sets safe patient standards. It sets that floor. So, you know, you can't go less than a certain amount. It does, per the research, allow for adjustment of acuity. So for example, if your unit is more acute, um, you're mm -hmm. not locked into that fixed ratio. It's not a fixed ratio, but you can't go less than a certain amount, you can lower, you know, a, a, instead of a nurse having four patients on a, on a tele unit, they could maybe, or, or med surge unit, they may have three patients, uh, but you couldn't say that, that, that's a med surge nurse is not going to have five or six or seven patients, which frequently happens. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I use the analogy of, of basketball, you know, you can't have an NBA uh, team, if you're going to put three guys out on the court instead of five, or imagine that as a, if you're a baseball team, you know, you're going to have two outfielders and expect to win the World Series. It's not going to happen. You know, things are going to happen. Mistakes are going to be made, errors, medical errors. And that's, and that's what they found. And so I think for us, um, you know, it's something that we've always wanted to do um, to sort of come together on one bill. But the fact that sort of the stars really aligned with our, our, our CNO, Chief Nursing Officer, our previous president, you know, my goals and what I ran on and, and I was overwhelmingly elected for, for president, you know, it's something we've been working very closely. So I, I just to put a cap on it, I think it's going to be, you know, a really historic thing for nurses to have a, a, a patient safety bill that will improve their lives uh, on the day-to-day -day floor. I think it's going to bring nurses 
back into practice. Um, they saw that in California when they passed the, the safe staffing bill in California, that actually there was a huge influx of nurses. So all of a sudden you have nurses that are, that are trying to come into the state, nurses that mm -hmm. want to work, because who wouldn't want to work at a safe hospital? I mean, one mm -hmm. of the reasons why I actually became a full practice provider, I'm, I'm an NP, was because I, I knew that I was not going to be able to last on the floors for you know, 20, 30 years without significant chronic injuries, because that's what happens when there's unsafe staffing is that, you know, you, you just, you do what you have to do to, to get, to get by that chronic stress is unhealthy. The research shows that, and I think we're really proud that we have an evidence-based bill that's going to address that issue. That's fantastic. And just for those who, who don't know, the PSNA is the Pennsylvania State Nursing Association. So how has the pandemic increased the need for this bill, Tarek? I mean, you know, I, I, I use the, the example of acute on chronic conditions, you know, like if you have a patient that has congestive heart failure and they come into the hospital with an acute exacerbation, well, the congestive heart failure isn't new, but the exacerbation, you know, that's landing them in the hospital is new. For nurses, it's this is the chronic issue of under unsafe staffing, and it's just gotten worse. Mm -hmm. It's gotten worse over the years because of the acuity of patients, cost-cutting, and it, it's really made an unsafe environment for nurses. And then you have the, the pandemic where we're short on PPE. Uh, we have nurses that are getting sick. We have hospitals that are freezing, doing staffing freezes during the pandemic. It, it was, was true war that these nurses were going into. The, you, you would hear these stories in your, you know, we still hear these stories of nurses and it's like they're, they're going into battle when they go to work. They are, they are putting their lives at risk. They're putting their families' lives at risk. And the fact that, you know, staffing is such an issue. I, I mean, when you increase the, the number of patients that a nurse has to have, it significantly increases the chance uh, of death that a patient is going to die in the shift. Would you want your family to be in, in a hospital that's unsafe staff? And unfortunately, all too often, this is happening even in good hospitals. And the reason is there's, there is no standard. There is no standard. I mean, there can be, you can have a staffing committee for magnet, but there's no teeth to that. What happens if they decide, well, we're going to allocate resources uh, in other, other ways. I, I think the issue you know, is that, you know, nurses, when they're in administration, they have to actually, you know, they have to go to bat for nurses. And when they're continually told that you guys don't need it, you know, and they're that only voice, uh, it gets really hard uh, mm -hmm. for those administrators. But to actually have standards, state standards that say, no, you actually have to have a safe level of staffing on your floor. That's actually going to give cover to our CNOs and our nurse managers to say, you know what, <laughs> this isn't not only is it safe to have this level of staffing, it's required by law. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that is a win for, for them as well. I at the end, it really is about the patients. It's really protecting the patients to have that level of staffing that, that you don't have a nurse that, you know, is giving hemodialysis, you know, they have an insulin drip, they've got a patient with major wound care needs, you know, uh, a patient that's unstable. It happens, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, you know, nurses, uh, they consistently go above and beyond. But again, we talk about acute on chronic. When, when you're talking about a chronic condition, uh, which is unsafe staffing, 
and it's just living with a like a chronic issue. It it it, it takes its toll. You know, nurses are really uh, they're really in a tough spot, and then we think that you know this is what nurses have been asking for. And frankly, we expect legislators to listen to nurses. We've been hearing that nurses are heroes. Um, we respect nurses. We listen to nurses. But this is what nurses are asking for. Nurses, uh, we've actually come together, the, these different nursing organizations. It's historic to have unions and professional uh, staff, uh, professional nursing organizations. We're the professional nursing organization for the state of Pennsylvania to come together on one staffing bill. And we encourage legislators to do the right thing. And we encourage um, you know listeners and nurses to call their legislators and demand uh, the Patient Safety Act get passed. I think the average nurse doesn't understand the amount of power that we really could wield in the legislative space if we got together on the same page. You know, as you said, there's 250,000 nurses in in Pennsylvania. I mean, what legislator would want to butt up against that? It's two. Per, it's one to two percent in every district. So we are the ultimate swing vote. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you, you know, one of the great things is working as president of PSNA. And I was, um, you know, worked on the, our political action committee. I say worked, but it's volunteer. I don't get paid for this. Um, yeah, that, I understand. And, and I know you know because you're, you're president <laughs> of Pana, and it's all volunteer. And but nothing is uh, nothing beats the heart of a volunteer, right? Uh, and the work that is done. You know, I can tell you that. This being, you know, uh, advocating for nursing issues has, has been very nonpartisan, with the exception of the Affordable Care Act, which unfortunately was, was made political. These are actually things that transcend Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. We're talking about safety of, of patients. We're talking about protecting nurses. We're, we're talking about serving nurses. And that's what we see with legislators too. That that they we basically you know PSNA um, we're not Democrat, we're not Republican. We have legislators from every every ideology on bills. These nursing issues are nonpartisan. So for nurses that are sort of like on the fence about getting involved and worrying about being too political, you know these issues. These aren't like these hot button issues. Um, these are actually you know, these are, are, are generally patient safety issues that have a wide range of support. Again, when we talk about staffing, I mean, we went through this staffing bill. I sat, I sat down with dozens of nurses to go over the staffing legislation. I didn't have one nurse say, I don't, I don't feel right about this, or, you know, I'm against this for, for some personal, you know, belief. Uh, they were all for it. Uh, and yeah. in fact, it, some were saying, you know, let's, let's see if we can tighten this up here or, or this uh, over there a little bit. And in fact, um, it was because of the input of nurses that we actually strengthened out the bill, you know, that when we were creating it. Uh, um, yeah, it, absolutely. If, if we only realized our strength as nurses, uh, we are the largest, uh, you know, provider in the healthcare workforce. Um, there's more nurses than, you know, than there, than there, than there are physicians. But unfortunately, and I love our physician brothers and sisters. Unfortunately, the organized, the the power structure where they are doesn't always represent the you know the, those needs of, of of physicians. I mean, we look at you know full practice authority, you know, for NPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the medical association are our number one critic. But when you talk to physicians about you know, do you value NPs and, and do, you know, do you think that an NP should have full practice authority to practice within the scope of their practice? They would tell you, yes, where the power is, is held. Um, it's basically, no, NP 
employees are bad. You know, they don't know what they're doing. They're unsafe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is what comes from the power. So if we really um, harnessed our power, I think we could get so much done. And, and that's why I am really excited, you know, because uh, probably a lot of your listeners don't know you are the president of PANA, the Nurse Anesthetist Association in Pennsylvania. And, and you all do incredible work and you are great partners too, to, to get together on legislation. So I, I, I like really the sky is the limit. I, I think what has been hold, holding us back has been just sort of what we've done in the past, which is really not working together. And But I think when you see really how, how much we can get accomplished, when we did that fundraiser for uh, people that were experiencing medical debt. So this mm-hmm. was something that we organized and Pana was was along with PSNA and PASNAP, student nurses at Penn were on it. The nurse, uh, the PA nurse midwives uh, were on that as well. And if I'm leaving someone out, I, I apologize. Uh, but we raised over a quarter million dollars in medical debt relief. Um, mm-hmm. That was nurses. That we, that's, that's something that we did. You know, that impacted the lives of many individuals that were, that were going to get a, a, something in the mail that said, your medical debt has been forgiven. I mean, and during a pandemic, it's just, it's just amazing, though, that what we can accomplish as nurses, we need more nurses to have seats at the table that are making decisions. Stop me if I'm if I'm just, you know, uh, but, but, you know, during the pandemic, I mean, I I, I can't tell you how many times I thought if a nurse was in charge, if we had nurses that were making the decisions that we would not be in the mess that we're in hate to say it, but that I think that's the truth. We, We nurses know what's going on. We spend more time with patients than anybody, than any other provider, unfortunately, in some cases, more times than the family, especially during the pandemic. The nurses are there when the patients have been dying. We've had, unfortunately, uh, an awful statistic over, I'm sorry, a half a million Americans were killed by the pandemic in in, um, less than a year. And nurses, in many cases, were right there with the patient uh, to comfort them. So nurses know what's going on. Nurses run hospital units. Nurses run nursing homes. And when we're making decisions it needs to be nurses that are in charge and nurses that are uh, not not only have a seat at the table, which in many cases we don't, but that are making the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think, and you and I have, have talked about this as well, that one of the, the downsides of nursing is that historically we don't work well together. Uh, we, we separate into our silos and our own groups and we don't come together and support each other, we, we sort of stay to our own. So that's one of the things that I really admire that you've done is that you've managed to work with the, the other nursing organizations in order to find something that works well for both groups to push forward, to forward all of nursing. You know, I really commend you for that. That's been a phenomenal lift, I think. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you because when you talk to nurses, uh, they hate the politics, they hate the mm-hmm. politics of it, they hate it. And yet you ask, why don't you get involved? A lot of times they say it's a politics. It's the number one turnoff. And this is in general, when people are like, this is my turf, you know, th- this is not helping patients, this is not helping nurses. So, so absolutely. But I think also to uh, give yourself credit to uh, Angela, having people like yourself, in these positions of power, good nurses that are caring and listen to each other and that put, you know, the needs of, of patients over personal ego is so critical to having these, uh, these collaborations. You know, this wouldn't have happened uh, had the leadership, my, the previous president of PSNA, if Betsy Snook wasn't our president, Maureen May had passed an app if she wasn't there, Aaron Triosi, nurses of PA, Jared Smith, Silas Russell, SEIU, PA, you know, if they weren't there, it may be a different story. So we really need good people 
people uh, in, in his positions. And so that's why it's important because a lot of a lot of these positions are elected. I was elected. Um, you were elected. And so why, why it's important for people to get involved with the professional organization, um, because you can make a difference. Some of these elections are decided by like a few votes. I mean, you know, we were astonished when we see, you know, presidential elections coming down to, you know, 2016, it was about 77,000 votes swung the election. I mean, mm-hmm. the, which is which is like nothing, right? But when we look at like these nursing elections, you know, some of these elections are like, it's like like three or four votes. I mean, they're, they're not huge. They're not huge numbers. And so that's why it's important for nurses not only to get involved and be, be active uh, members, have a membership, uh, but also if, if they think that, you know, they can add something to run, it's, it's so important. Yeah. Do you ever think you'll segue this volunteer political gig into a real political gig? I don't know. The reason why I hesitate a little bit is because so many people have told me I should run <laughs> for, for something. I am someone that when I see politicians that are not really doing anything, when I see you know a legislature that is not really accomplishing things. I mean, I'm not throwing either party under the bus, um, but I, you know, in Pennsylvania, we do have the largest legislature and we pass the fewest amount of bills. If it's something that I see that I can actually make a difference because I, I do believe that nurses, we do need more nurses in charge on a political level. I mean, we see the the level, the impact that even Cori Bush has had from Missouri uh, as, as a congressperson, the fact that, that she's had getting a nurse on the COVID-19 uh, task force and that, and that level of influence. When we have good public officials um, that can, that are in a position uh, to make a difference. So I think if I saw that, you know, that there was an opportunity for me to make a difference, um, I think in my, in my sphere right now, I think I'm, um, I'm very content with, I shouldn't say content because I'm not, I'm not content, <laughs> uh, but I think, um, you know, I'm a president of PSNA, which is an amazing organization. Um, getting my PhD at Penn, I'm God willing, will finish in 2021. Please God, <laughs> I just hope it happens. I, um, uh, so, um, you know, so I'll, I'll have my PhD, God willing. And, you know, I, I have an amazing uh, job. I, I, I still have my full, my, my, so I, it's not full time anymore, but my, my regular job is a, as a nurse practitioner. I work at a family health center, a nonprofit, federally qualified health center in Nicetown, unrepresentative part of the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And I love my patients. And so I think uh, if it's something that I would still be able to work in that capacity uh, at the health center to serve my patients, then, and, and there was an opportunity for that I saw that I could really make a difference that I, I would run. It would be something that, that I had to I have to really look at because if it's if it's just for my ego of saying, oh, you know, I'm a congressperson or I'm a senator or you know, I'm, I'm a state rep uh, or a state senator, and it's not really doing anything. It's not really, I'm, you know, I'm not really in a position to be fighting for um, the issues or if it's, if it's not productive, then I, I wouldn't do it. But it's something that I would definitely, definitely um, look at and, and see if it was right. Yeah. Yeah. They're all really great points because they're something always has to give when you're, yeah. when you're up in the game like that. Yeah. I mean, in, in Pennsylvania, we do only have, you know, one, one state rep who is a nurse, um, mm-hmm. um, we have two state senators, uh, Judy Ward and Maria Collette, our, our prime sponsor, uh, amazing nurse, you know, in Congress, uh, there's Corey Bush. I think, are there, are there any others, uh, uh, uh uh, I think is is um, Johnson. Is she still uh, Congresswoman Johnson? I'm not sure if, uh, if, uh, if if she's still in office. I know that um, Caps uh, stepped down. So we have very few in in the Senate. And I'm sorry, in the Congress. I don't think we have any in the Senate. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, but yeah, Lauren, Lauren Underwood is. Oh, Lauren Underwood. Oh, oh, yeah, God. Where's she? Uh, Michigan, right? Uh, she is. I think she's Illinois. I may be Illinois, mistaken. You're right. She is phenomenal. Oh, my God. I was hoping that they would choose her for HHS secretary. This is just Tarek, Angela, and Marion talking right now. I mean, <laughs> this is like, we're just having a conversation. Uh, I don't know if the listeners are interested in this, but yeah, Lauren Underwood, man, oh, she is amazing. She is amazing. And I, I'm so proud. And, and, and that's, that's what we need. We need more Lauren Underwoods in positions of power, whether that's elected yeah. office, whether that is on boards, um, whether that's running hospitals and healthcare organizations. We need more nurses. There's no question about it, that philosophy, that care. Um, because you never, again, I think that for me, what's, what, what I really cherish about being a nurse is, is that it's that one-on-one, it's that care that I'm giving to the patient. When Larry Brown, uh, I'm a huge basketball fan, if you haven't noticed, Sixers fan uh, specifically, you know, when he was coach of the Sixers, there was an article written about him, I think it was by Bill Lyon, and he, he talked about what Larry Brown liked as a coach was that that, that moment in the gym where it was just him and the player and they were just working on shots. It was like after everyone had left and they were just kind of working one-on-one. And I think as a nurse, what I really value is that one-on-one time where I'm there for the patient and I'm just listening to my, my patient. And I think that that can transcend into so many different avenues, whether that is, uh, whether that's public service, whether that is CEO of a, of a healthcare organization where you're listening to the needs of the people. It's so important. And I, I think that that nursing philosophy, which is so important, we just need more nurses that, that are in those positions of power. So if you're out there and you're listening, you can do it. <laughs> Step up. We need you. Uh, your country needs you. And if we've seen during the pandemic, anything is that we need nurses now more than ever. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. So um, before we wrap it up, did you want to talk a little bit about your volunteer work with Enabling Minds? Oh, sure. Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, this was another thing, actually, of nurses stepping up. Um, you know, in 2010, after the earthquake, I went with a few nurses to Haiti following that just devastation and really fell in love with the spirit of the kids and, and, and the country. Just an amazing, amazing, optimistic, uh, beautiful people in terms of, you know, their, their spirit. And, but uh, so much tragedy and uh, hardship in, in Haiti. You know, I, they were, it was a slave uh, colony that actually revolted. And they, they basically, they formed their own nation. And they, uh, it was amazing. It was in, 18, I think it was 1804, but because of, of racism, systemic racism, they've been so, uh, they've gotten the short end of, of trade policies of uh, just racism from, from different countries. And, and they've, they've, they've really been abused and it's really affected the nation. And so, you know, it, it is the poorest country in the Western hemisphere. And um, there are neighbors to the South. You could, you could be in Florida and hop on a plane and I think be there like in an hour. Or so it's, it is really close. Mm-hmm. Our goal was to help but we wanted to serve a need because it was just a mobile clinic that we were volunteering for. And so one of the things that we knew was unaddressed and we did a fact-finding trip was that people with disabilities were very marginalized, uh, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And in fact, children that had disabilities for the most part were not going to school for uh, public school. I mean, look at lack of funding for for the nation to invest in public schools. Uh, Public schools, you have to have, you know, you have to have books and you have to be able to get there. And if you have a family um, and you have, you know, four kids and, you know, you're making one or two dollars a day, you just don't have that money. And so if you have a child with disabilities, those childs in, mo- in most cases, 
cases are not going to school. It's very rare, in fact, that children with disabilities are going to school. Uh, and so we basically um, formed a, a partnership with a private school there uh, to actually start a special ed class that would enroll children in the community um, that were never in school to be able to get them ed- educated. So our program is Special Olympics that provides them with food, provides them, um, there, there's a medical clinic and a dental clinic there. In the program, and, and it's, it's across two different schools, and there's also kids that with disabilities that are, are sort of integrated with, the, with, um, with other children as well in, in, in other classes. Um, there's about 75 um, children that, that we've, we've got in. And so we've, we started it in 2000, I think 2014. So I think this is our seventh year of classes. Um, we've raised over $100,000 to support these children. Every, you know, everything that we get goes to the school in terms of donations. There's no like overhead. We're all volunteers on this side. And then it basically goes to the infrastructure, uh, the cur- currently existing infrastructure where, they're, they're, where they employ a teacher. Um, you know, it's, tr- it's through the school system. And, and, but it, it, it's done a lot in terms of the, you know, the self-efficacy of these children to, to feel uh, like they're able to accomplish goals. I, I think also for, uh, ha- Haiti is a small country. I mean, it is, I think it's the size of Maryland. I, I may be mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I think population of maybe like, you know, New York, maybe I think there's like, like maybe there's less than 12 million people. There's really, it's not a big country. And so like things like this, um, people notice it. And I think they're, they're really helping to shatter some of those illusions about what a person with a disability can do. And so we, you know, we, we we're, we're continuing to support, uh, to raise money for this organization, me and, and a few other nurses helped to start it. So it's called Enabling Minds. And if you'd like to make a donation, we would love it. Uh, it's enablingminds.com. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. We will we will definitely uh, post that with us. Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, I think this is the the perfect place to end. I could talk to you all day long and bore yeah, we everyone. Could, we could go another hour. Uh, we we certainly long. could. <laughs> but it was great to talk to you. I am I am so inspired by your energy and your commitment to everything that is nursing and and making things better for patients. So you know, thank you for that and, and keep going. Um, and I appreciate your representation with PSNA. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And yes, I will keep going because uh, I have to get this chapter to my committee by Friday. Uh, <laughs> vaccine clinic Saturday. I have a grant that, uh, that yeah, this nursing Senate grant to apply for. So, so yeah, <laughs> thank you. I, that, I will definitely keep going. I appreciate it. Hello, Angela. Hello, Marion. How's it going? It's amazing. I just had this wonderful conversation with Tarek Khan. Yes, I am a big fan of Tarek's. Um, And I love that he called the Amplify Nursing Podcast A&P. I'm going to have to use that shorthand. Yeah, I like that too. So Tarek is the current president of the Pennsylvania State Nurses Association. He is a practicing NP He is a doctoral student at Penn, and he volunteers for organizations on multiple levels, um, providing support in Haiti, providing support with the um, Emergency Nurses Corps in Philadelphia. I mean, I don't know what he doesn't do. Yeah. He's one of those nurses who really not only talks the talk, but walks the walk, and he does it for purely humanitarian reasons, right? He just wants to make the profession better. He wants to make his patients better. He wants to make the world better. And how do you not love that? 
Yeah. I, and I could talk to him and actually I have talked to him for hours about harnessing the power of nursing together as a group. Uh, you know, historically we, our professional organizations have not collaborated and worked together. And be- because of that, we're missing out on the power in the numbers that nurses bring. Tarek pointed out that in Pennsylvania, specifically, there are over 250,000 nurses. They make up one to 2% of just about every district in the state, which is a huge voting block. Yeah, the swing vote. He said it like we are the the swing vote. And if nurses understood the power that we have on so many different levels. Uh, Boy, the changes we could make. And he said it, right? Like, if nurses had been in charge of this pandemic from day one, we'd be, we'd more than likely be at a different place than where we're at now. And I don't disagree with him. Yeah, I don't don't disagree with him either. I think that that's been yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But it's and and as he pointed out, it's it's not to the detriment of anyone else. It is to show that nurses are the ones who are actually on the ground with the most contact with the patient. So it just makes sense that the group organizing everything with the patient in mind should have been nurses. Agree. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, with special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing Podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can, please do us a solid and rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.